0: I say can you dig it? Put your two hands up like that. Can you dig it? Can, 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 can. Here we
1: go. Welcome in everybody to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by the Silver Screen and Roll Network. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Rude. Hani might be ducking me because of the USA Iran game, uh, on Tuesday. Who's to say, uh, but he had told me before he was not going to be here this week. So we brought in our, our sixth man, our Russell Westbrook, which is, uh, far less of an indictment than it was maybe two or three weeks ago. Uh, Alex Torres back to, uh, help me out in this one, Alex, bud, how are, uh, how are things going over in LA for you? Um,
0: they're, they're very interesting. Um. I'm about to have a son here in a couple of days, so that's been my main objective. Actually, I think Ani, Ani's going to get mad at me because uh, I couldn't tweet the last couple of games for him, and uh, <laughs> oh, so you had time to do a podcast, huh? So, um, <laughs> but yeah, love the Russell Westbrook intro because he has been playing well recently, so I'll take it.
1: Yeah, if uh, at some point it feels like this uh, episode abruptly ends, it might be because (laughs) you're about to become a dad and we have to uh, go flying out of here. But yeah, it's been a, the vibes are a lot different with the Lakers uh, from the last time you were on. I believe then Russ had maybe started to come off the bench, uh, but it was not where the Lakers are right now, which is a, a lot better after this past weekend. Uh, obviously lakers had a back to back they had 3 out of 4 games against the spurs really a they've had some really odd scheduling quirks between the week they had off between the nets and pistons game and then the three games and uh or three times they're playing the spurs in four games but i'm not going to complain because I would like to play the Spurs about 80 more times this season. (laughs) Uh, They come away with a pair of victories on Friday and Saturday. Uh, Different games for each. Uh, it It was interesting. I tweeted this after the game on Saturday, but in those three times the Lakers played the Spurs in a week, they beat them with AD and no LeBron, beat them with AD and LeBron, and beat them with LeBron and no AD which makes it kind of hard to have big takeaways from <laughs> from those games. But uh, I would say the biggest one, especially with how he played on Saturday, is that LeBron is back. LeBron obviously was injured a bit, out for a bit, came back on Friday. Didn't look great. He looked great on Saturday. Do you still marvel at what LeBron's capable of do- doing? He's going to be 38 in a couple weeks, 20th season. I feel like almost at times we take this for granted that he's just putting up thirty nine and eleven at this point in his career.
0: Oh, absolutely! I mean, I think I saw Kendrick Perkins tweet out something in the, uh, to the likes of, "Hey, we're the same age, and I'm on my second career, and he's still dropping thirty nine uh, yeah. against you know the Spurs." So, yeah, I mean, it's just incredible. Uh, you know, the he's just absolutely unbelievable to watch at this age to. I mean, that alley-oop from Russell Westbrook was incredible. I mean, amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I can't even find the words right now to kind of describe what I felt, you know, to, to see that happen. And at that age, it's just a marvel to watch. It's something that we definitely do take for granted. And uh, it's what the Lakers need right now. Let's be honest. I mean, it's it, if this, this doesn't work without him being the LeBron that we're all accustomed to see. And to this point, we're so accustomed to see it that, I think, like you mentioned, uh, we take it for granted. So... Yeah, I mean, you know, he is going to go down as arguably the greatest player of all time, and depending on who you ask. And the more he does this, the more the arguments uh, get stronger. So, you know, that's, you know, for a different topic, for a different day. But, you know, as of right now for this season, um, the only shot the Lakers have of doing anything whatsoever, whether it's the playing game or whatever, it's with him and AD being superstars. So,
1: Yeah, as you said... What the Lakers are asking of LeBron and AD is absurd, and yet they're delivering it. Maybe not as regular as they once were, but there was obviously plenty of talk this last week about what AD was doing. I wrote about it in in some regards. It was literally unprecedented historically what AD was doing, and that was all without LeBron. LeBron comes back on Friday. AD has a quote-unquote modest, 25-15, and Uh, and then he's obviously out on Saturday and LeBron does this. The challenge, obviously, now is to have them both play at a high level simultaneously, but given what we've seen of LeBron and AD in the last week, does this, I mean, we're going to talk about this a little bit more later on, but how much does that kind of change how you view the Lakers and, and how good they can be if we get this type of LeBron and AD. It,
0: it definitely makes things interesting. You know, I think you kind of referenced it at the beginning of the, of the show here about our feelings earlier on this season was kind of like, well, this season's lost. Let's just kind of, you know, get over it and, and hopefully stay healthy and see where we're end up at. Now you, You can't, you know, definitely, you know, you can't go without saying there's a little bit of hope there. There's a little bit of hope where you're like, well, you know, if this falls into place, these pieces come together. Um, And then with them playing at that level, that's where you're kind of like, well, do we, you know, trade these two first round picks to go get stronger? You know, is it going to make us strong enough to compete with the, you know, powers of the West and and the powers of the East? You know, that still remains to be determined and something that is going to be a continuous argument. But. There's definitely a little glimmer of, of of light there, you know, and I think now you have to kind of put yourself in a position: Is it worth it going in, going all in this year, or do we exercise our options for next year? So now it's it's truly something that you can actually argue um, because they're playing at this level. And and again, can you waste another LeBron year? Can you can we as a franchise say, hey, this guy's playing at this level? It's not guaranteed next year, even though you you know the you know you think it because it's him, it's LeBron, but. I mean, it's another year wasted, so makes it so much difficult.
1: Yeah, uh, I said we sometimes take for granted LeBron. It feels like the Lakers take for granted what LeBron's doing and that there, I don't know how many more. There may not be another season like this. At some point, this is going to stop, I think. Uh, LeBron, <laughs> I don't think, is a cyborg. I, I become less certain of that every year, but at some point, these seasons will stop, and... I mean with the way the Lakers are kind of constructed if LeBron isn't playing at this obscene, obscene level um I don't know that the Lakers are competitive so it's a it's an interesting situation as you said if we uh when we were doing these podcasts earlier in the season I was ready to chalk it up it was a lost season this was dumb I was mad at everything for a variety of reasons. The West doesn't appear to be quite as good as we thought it might be, and we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh And LeBron and AD playing at this level, it suddenly feels less like a lost season. Obviously, one of the other big takeaways from or big moments from the weekend's game was Russ getting a Cold cocked and uh, trying to fight people, and looking like he was in a an MMA match. And I <laughs> that was a wild sequence of events. Uh, and then LeBron being the lay trainer, lay athletic dire- or uh, athletic trainer, whatever you want to call it, lay medic. Uh, what did you? I mean, <laughs> did you have any reaction to all that whole scenario and Russ just trying to fight people with blood pouring down his face?
0: I mean, yeah, it was, it was pretty, I mean, I, could, I think the imagery aspect of it with, like you said, blood coming down his face made it so much more, you know, incredible to see because I mean, that's just not something you see every day. It's not, you know, WWE. Um, like somebody just took a chair to the face. Uh, and in this case, it, you know, it was Collins who, who had, you know, a little bit of an aggressive file. I don't think it was uh, super malicious, although he has kind of a little bit of a track record of being, you know, overly aggressive at times, but obviously Russ being Russ didn't take, you know, light of it. And, uh, it was just really, really interesting to kind of see, you know, LeBron come in with the towel <laughs> and, you know, you know, take another add give another Lakers another reason as to why he's so valuable is, you know, he's a their <laughs> backup athletic trainer. So, so yeah hiring
1: athletic trainers to save yeah, money on that luxury tax.
0: Exactly. Baby. Exactly. So, you know, yeah, it was just, it was kind of, it was interesting. And I think obviously, you know, the Twitter was pretty active about it. And, you know, some of the memes were pretty funny, but uh, overall just, you know, pretty, in the moment very surprising
1: it was wild it didn't even look like a hard foul um you had to look really close to even see like the elbow making contact and it was instantly blood (laughs) like that was it before he even landed there was blood all over him and uh russ being as russ is for better and for worse immediately jumped up and was ready to fight people and i think the I mean, it's funny now that he's OK and everything, but the reaction to everybody being like, uh, brother, you're bleeding everywhere. <laughs> and everybody just kind of like stopping and being like, we're not escalating this. You have blood pouring down your face. Uh, You could see there was a moment as LeBron's pulling him away that I think Russ felt the blood running down his face and kind of caught his breath right as about the trainers got there. But that's the intensity Russ is always playing with, as I said, for better and for worse. Uh I knew the minute he got fouled that he was jumping up and uh, he was going to get in his face. I was a little surprised. It was ruled a flagrant two. I think if there wasn't blood, uh, it would not have been a flagrant two. Um, But, alas, I don't know that the Spurs would complain because they seemed intent on taking out every good player out of their lineup on Saturday. Jakob Pertl went out. Uh, Sohan went out, Zach Collins was thrown out. They didn't really have a center. Uh, the Lakers made him pay for it at the end of the game. Look, I don't think either team was going to complain. The Spurs clearly want Victor Wimbenyama and the Lakers clearly want to be in the playoffs. Uh, and both things were, were uh, met by that. Uh, last point I want to talk about on the weekend's games Patrick Beverly obviously not playing right now because of his fight with DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> Dennis Schroeder started um, started and played very well on Saturday. Finished 6 of 10 shooting, 3 of 4 from 3, 6 of 6 at the line, 21 points, 6 assists, 3 rebounds. Um, that looked like the Dennis Schroeder of the, the COVID season. What do you think of his performance Saturday?
0: Oh, it was very encouraging, you know, having him, you know, play at that level again, you know, given that he's had some trouble since he left the Lakers. Uh, it was very encouraging to have him, you know, be that that point guard position and, and so effective and efficient, you know, and uh, 21 points, I believe you said it was, uh, you know, and six assists. I mean, that's that's a great night. And it, if that's something the Lakers can count on, on a daily basis, then that is a huge lot off LeBron uh, having him be the you know, initiator uh, on the offense. So, you know, I just think it's – it was such a refreshing uh, – thing to see from Schroeder given his struggles these last couple years and you know if you know could he potentially be the the individual who you know comes off the bench and is that you know spark plug for them absolutely Uh, especially with that performance and the way he shot the ball I mean that, that at the end of the day when you and I were talking about how the Lakers were just terrible it's because they couldn't shoot the ball and you know, I was watching the game yesterday, and I was like, "Wow, like these shots are going in, not just by Schroeder, but everybody else." I you know, had some hat, some decent shot making on behalf of the Lakers that obviously led to what 143 points. But you know, uh, as far as Schroeder goes, you know, if this continues, then again, we're we're, we're having an argument about this may not be a loss season after all. So uh,
1: you got to make a lot of shots to score 143 <laughs> points. Um, the. So there's obviously been this ongoing debate. We've had it on here about what the starting lineup should look like. And the general consensus has been that um, Patrick Beverly should not be in it. Basically Uh side note. As I look at this, the Lakers are all the way up to 28th in three point shooting. Nice. Uh, it only took them going 17 of 33 in a game to go co- to move from last to, third to last, second to last, whatever it is. Uh, and it I know if you take out the first like five games of the season, the Lakers are just an average basketball team, which is quite the come up for them. Um, but I mean, there, there's a there's a number of guys that have factored into this. As I was saying with the starting lineup, there's been a lot of talk about whether Austin Reeves should be the guy that moves into the starting lineup. Uh, some talk about whether, who, ha- however you move around the starting lineup, and we joked about it at the time because this is how the Lakers have operated a little too much um, in the last two seasons, but it was a, uh, the season starts now, now that Schroeder and Thomas Bryan are back. <laughs> Unironically, those two have been really big boosts to the Lakers since they've uh, rejoined the rotation. Both of them started on Saturday. Um because other people weren't available, but both of them that did start on Saturday um, was specifically when it comes to Schroeder versus kind of Patrick Beverly, Austin Reeves. Do you think there's a, a case for Schroeder to be in the starting lineup, especially if he's playing for this? What, How would your starting lineup look like?
0: You know, I think, as I mentioned before, I think the lack of depth makes me want to keep him in the, you know, on the reserves and having coming off the bench. Just because once LeBron and, and, and AD got to go get their their rest, you know, we still need to have some type of offense out there. Something that somebody that can initiate and can create some baskets for people. Uh, so that would lean me towards having him come off the bench. Although, you know, his play yesterday could, you know, very much, mo- very much well argue, hey, he should be on the starting lineup. Uh, I think we're all in a green step. Patrick Bradley probably shouldn't play much, especially right now. <laughs> uh, you know, I just, he has been very bad. Um, and I think, you know, I saw, I think it was Anthony posted something about, like, I wish they suspended him 66 games or something like that, which is pretty hilarious. Um, and, you know, so that leaves Austin Reeves. And to me, his energy, you know, the way, the way he plays defense, that just kind of really fits in kind of perfectly with that starting, you know, uh, rotation and being able to have somebody like that who, you know, is able to knock down the, the, the jumper from time to time and his, you know, you need some young legs out there at the end of the day, you know. So I would kind of lean more towards Reeves having at the starting lineup and having Schroeder come in. Uh, but out at the same time, I think those two are interchangeable. You know, I think, you know, Austin Reeves off the bench with Russ as well is, is a good little combo. Uh, but, you know, gun to my head, I would say, you know, let's keep Austin Reeves, or let's start Austin Reeves.
1: Yeah, I've, I've went back and forth on it. Very much, Patrick Beverly does not need to be playing, even when he is not suspended. Um, He's great for chemistry, locker room, that type of stuff. But the Lakers have way too many options for guards. (laughs) I guess you could make an argument of Kendrick Nunn versus Patrick Beverly, but that's really depressing, and I'd rather you just trade the two (laughs) of them for one good guard. Um, But regardless, those two have been especially of late. Very good. I mean, Austin Reeves have been good all season. The, the thing I keep coming back to is a point Sabrina made on here uh, toward the beginning of the season. I think it was after the Lakers beat the Nuggets uh, for their first win of the year was that um, I really like the combination of Russ and Reeves off the bench Uh They play with a lot of pace together. Uh, the, it seems like things move a lot quicker when they're on the floor. That's why I lean towards that Reeves is still getting a lot of minutes and still closing most games uh he played thirty one minutes on Saturday uh on Friday he played twenty nine minutes so like he's still getting a lot of time off the bench and I mean both games he was impactful in in different ways Friday he was plus fifteen um, only a couple of the starters were better on Saturday he had sixteen points uh the most off the bench and only LeBron and Schroeder and Lonnie Walker had more. So um, he's been impactful. I I also kind of, when it comes to Schroeder, there is a lot of familiarity there with playing with LeBron and AD that I think has helped him adjust a little more quickly uh, to the lineup and to the rotation and playing with those guys. So it's led to him playing well to start the season. Like I said, he shot the ball well, he's, Um, whenever he's hitting three pointers, like it feels like found money. If he's shooting 36% from three, which he is on very limited sample size so far. I mean, you take that and you run with it, uh, because that is as about as good as it's going to get. I looked it up the Lakers since the, the first five games where they were, Again, like historically unprecedented bad shooting three pointers, they were they are fifteenth in the league in three point shooting. So like, they're a normal team. <laughs> now they're fifth in the league in field goal percentage in that time, uh, mainly because so much is coming at the rim. Like they for quite a while over the last thirteen games, and uh, Darius Soriano pointed this out as well. Over the last thirteen games, they're seven and six. They're they're playing like a a very normal team. Now, obviously, you have to like take out a, a chunk of games of that, but I mean, LeBron was talking after the game on um, Saturday. They asked him kind of what's changed uh, since or over the past few weeks, and he said basically they're learning. They were learning a lot of things on the fly, and it was a new coach and a new system with new players, and those are all self-inflicted wounds because the Lakers keep having so much turnover, but it. I mean, it's true. He's right. Um, and since then, they have played average. They've been an average team, maybe slightly above average. The schedule has been forgiving. It's it's going to start getting tougher again. But ultimately, I mean, even if you look at net rating, they are 16th in the league over the last 13 games with a, the 11th best offense uh, and a defense that has fallen off quite a bit, but 19th. But, I mean, this looks like a far more normal basketball team over the last um, 13 games or so. Especially, like I said, the last six games, they've they've been quite generous. Uh, th- half of them are against the Spurs. Uh, you have the Suns. You have the Nets, the Pistons. um, yeah, that's it. The Nets Pistons three games against the Spurs in Phoenix and they went they've won 5 of those 6. Thought they played well in Phoenix. What have you made of how the Lakers have played over the last couple weeks, over this kind of last stretch? Are you feeling better about this team or is this simply a byproduct of a, a pretty easy schedule?
0: I think it's a little bit of both. Uh I think, you know, you obviously that's Hard to deny that playing the Spurs three times is, is very, very luxurious for us at, at this time. Uh, obviously, the schedule is getting a little harder here in the next couple of games. So we're going to definitely see the answer to this question, whether it's, hey, have the Lakers turn the corner here? Or is this just, you know, they get lucky with the schedule? So, um, you know, I think, you know, both can be true in this situation. But, you know, and even even then, I, I will say this, watching them play, you know, these last couple of games, it just looks different out there. You know, the, the offense flows, yep. you know, and um, uh, you mentioned the defense obviously isn't looking as great. Uh, obviously, yesterday they missed Anthony Davis because the uh, Spurs had command of the paint the entire night. I mean, they scored at will. Um, but overall, just the, the energy is different. Um, and I think that starts with, like what you said, having getting people back healthy, right? Thomas uh, Bryan and Dennis Schroeder coming back have been huge additions to the Lakers. You know, and that's something that, you know, that little bit of kind of breathing room gives, I think, you know, kind of a, a rejuvenation to some of these players who are out there thinking, well, this is a lost season, but no, hold on. You know, we actually have a decent basketball team. I would dare to say decent. Um, and it's it, a getting-
1: far cry from where they were at the <laughs> beginning of the year. So, yeah, decent. Decent is fine with me.
0: Yeah, decent. And then as far as, you know, as getting uh, lucky with the health and with LeBron and AD being there, um, you definitely feel a, a little bit of encouragement there. So I think when you go, you looked at the first what, couple games of the, of the year, you thought hopelessness and just absolute no desire to even win a ball game. I mean, the, it was lethargic out there. It's just absolute, you know, uh, just depression, if we're being honest. is just I couldn't bear to watch the games. I mean, it was just uh, let me I have better things to do than to watch the Lakers be terrible. Uh, but now it's just like the, the, shots are going, I mean, Kendrick Nunn, it doesn't look, you know, amazing, but he looks better than when he did at the start of the year. You know, we haven't even talked about Lonnie Walker, who's been quite frankly, the best addition to the team. You could argue. I mean, oh he's yeah. Been, he's been out of this world. Uh, and even like Wingin' Gra- Gabriel, he, you know, in spurts is really good. Love his energy, you know, love the way he attacks the, those rebounds and, and gets those putbacks in there. So, um, I would say definitely it's it's a little bit of both that the Lakers have benefited from an easier schedule, but I also think they have improved as a team and I think that there's a little bit of potential.
1: Yeah, I mean I said it uh I was talking to some friends during the game Saturday. I know Winning Gabriel has his flaws. They can be glaring at times, but I really enjoy watching him play. He's a lot of fun, very easy to root for. Um, especially a guy that plays with that level of energy. And, I mean, he makes up for effort, covers a lot of mistakes, and, and he tries hard. Um, and I'm always going to root for a guy that, that is playing at that level. And I've said this a number of times. I, I guess I didn't realize how much I hated it last year, but this team tries every night, which last year's team did not. And it was one of the reasons I absolutely despised that team. And Rob Palenka said during the offseason that, like, that was a thing he noted multiple times was not going to happen again. That they were going to get a team that competed every night. Credit to the team. Credit to Darvin Ham. Credit to everyone for at least living up to that end of the deal. And um, that this team tries. Lonnie Walker is an energy guy that is always flying around the court. Winyan Gabriel, Reeves. Thomas Bryant is always playing with an obscene amount of energy. Uh, And then Darvin Ham getting Russ to buy into this role off the bench and be more committed this season than I think he was at any point last season. Um, These guys are playing hard and that covers up a lot of mistakes. They're working on kind of fixing those mistakes along the way as well. And I think through 18 games overall, I think 7 and 11 is probably a fair record. They started off with a brutal schedule. They had a far more forgiving schedule. I think the middle ground is this is a Lakers team that is about this record is probably what they are. Um I I think there's a lot of room for improvement and it's it could start tonight with as you said the schedule picking up against a Pacers team that is good and has a lot of narratives with the Lakers surrounding it. We're going to preview that game and obviously everything surrounding it here in just a moment. So the Pacers, shockingly, they are 11-7 this season. The inverse record of the Lakers. They are the four seed in the Eastern Conference right now. They've been led by a number of guys. Miles Turner, high among the list of them, has been playing fantastic this season. Um, Tyrese Halliburton, obviously. Benedict Matherin is one of the Rookie of the Year frontrunners. Miles and Buddy have obviously been great. Um, They come into, well, they're already in Los Angeles. They're playing the Clippers on Sunday, uh, and then they play the Lakers on Monday. The L.A. back-to-back, we'll see how much L.A. nightlife hurts them. Um, before we look at the game, has your stance on trading the picks changed at all uh, with with how the Lakers have played um, and, and where the team stands right now? Are you still pro trading them? Would you uh, Would you hold on to them and kind of play things out until December fifteenth, as the latest report says? What, what's your kind of stance on on trading these picks right now?
0: It has definitely changed since the last couple of weeks. Um, I think now I'm teeter-tottering the line as yes and no. I keep kind of arguing with myself in my own brain, like, well, have you seen Miles Turner? You know, and, and <laughs> have you yeah. seen, you know, have you, and and to imagine a lineup of him and AD at the same time. And it's just, that just gives me the absolute like, it's jitters. It's goosebumps to think those two just absolute monsters can be out there defensively, offensively. And then, you know, Miles does so much, he hits threes. I mean, he's hitting threes at a great rate, you know, and you know, on top of the fact that he's a great defender with AD, the way he's playing defense. I mean, who's going to go to the rim against us, you know, with those two anchors down, you know, down low. So that gets me super excited, you know, and that, you know, obviously if you add buddy to that equation, you know, he's been, you know, very good beyond, you know, beyond the arc as well. So, you know, that is something obviously that we need. And you, you alluded to it, 28th in the league. It's not good. Um, So he would obviously kind of solve those issues there. Does his other deficiencies worry me a little bit? His defense and there? Absolutely. But then you're like, well, when you have Miles Turner and AD, does that, you know, does, he, does do they make up for that? So that, again, I'm kind of going back and forth as to what I want to do. Given the fact that I am teetering back and forth, I would say, you know, I do want to wait a little bit. I would love to see the Lakers here in these next couple of games to see how they perform against better competition. And you know, I think I would gauge it as if I see them, you know, necessarily even win, but they're competitive as you mentioned against the Suns, and they're playing against these, you know, the Bucks and the Cavs, and they're you know squeak out a win or or they're close. You know, I think you know you potentially have to pull the trigger. You know, especially as we alluded, we can't waste another LeBron here. This is a luxury that we have, and uh, those picks with. Turner and AD being who they are might not be as valuable as people make them out to be. So uh, I think you have to pull the trigger. I think there's no reason to wait, other than the fact that you're certain that there's no way we're going to advance in the playoffs, and and that's still something to be talked about. You know, can can we compete? You know, the Warriors aren't doing so good, but you know they're the defending champs. They're going to you know get it together at some point. Uh, and then you have obviously the Suns. You have you know teams in the East like the Bucks and and the Celtics that. You know, you match up on paper, you're like, well, this doesn't look too good for us. You know, and even with Miles and, and Buddy in the mix. So, I mean, again, I can't decide. So, that's where I'm at.
1: It's exactly, I mean, it's a, it's almost exactly where I'm at. Do you know, what would be your guess what Miles Turner is shooting from three this season?
0: I would say about 37%.
1: Okay. You nailed what Buddy Heald is shooting from three this season. Almost. It's 38.8. Miles Turner, three and a half attempts per game. He's played 13 games, so it's not a huge sample size. 46.7% from the three-point line. Uh, He is playing out of his mind. Uh, Whether it is a guy who wants to be traded, which Rick Carlisle before the Clippers game on – Sunday called Miles Turner like one of the loyalist player, or like one of the most loyal players. I'm like, brother, we all heard him go on the Woj podcast and make <laughs> the case for uh, the Lakers to trade for him. But whether he's playing for the Lakers, whether he's – I mean, it's his contract year. I think that's probably the main motivator. 18.9 points, 8.4 rebounds, 2.8 blocks per game, shooting – uh he's damn near 50 40 90 season. 57% from the field, 46% from 3, 83% from the free throw line. My word. <laughs> like <laughs> two picks might not be enough to get these two guys right now. Yeah, sure. Uh Buddy is obviously doing what Buddy does. Uh I mean he's shooting 38.8% but it's on 10 attempts per game. Uh he has that gravity that's always going to uh exists just because of his reputation as a shooter, and so you you mentioned something interesting when talking about the warriors struggles um the Lakers are seven and eleven, but they are one loss out of the ten seed, which is the warriors, as we're recording this at least the warriors are the ten seed at ten and ten. they are two losses out of the seven seed. And they are three losses out of the three seed. The three seed Pelicans are 11 and 8. The 13th seed Lakers are 7 and 11. So, as bad as everything is gone, as horrible as that start of the season was, they're two games out of the play in, three games out of sixth, and four games out of home court advantage. Does I mean, you were talking about it there. How much does how close are the Lakers to being one of the better teams in the West? Are they trading for Buddy and Miles close? Like do you think that vaults them from where they are into uh, the range of the blazers or the Grizzlies or the Pelicans or the nuggets right now or even just the Clippers? how How close are the Lakers to being that level of competitive?
0: I think if you if they were to pull the trigger for for Miles and Buddy, they're I would guess about the five six seed range. That's where I would put them. You know, it definitely doesn't catapult them to like okay, we're a title contender. It's a title or a bust. Not that. You know, we got to be realistic here. Uh, but like I said, you know, the the combination of, of of Miles and AD just gives them a an absolute force to be reckoned with in the paint. That's going to allow and create problems for other you know opposing teams and their front court. So. I mean, who else can, you know, match up with that? You know, who's going to be able to go in to drive to the paint feel comfortable knowing that they're going to either, you know, come away with a with a bucket or, or a foul, you know, with those two just, you know, absolute defensive anchors. So, you know, I think with, with those two in the mix, you're looking at a 5-6 seed, and that's where you kind of talk yourself into like, you know, hey, we'll get the 5 seed, the 6 seed, and then anything can happen in the playoffs. Stuff gets a lot more physical, and now we have one of the more physical teams, and you look at that front line, of LeBron, Miles, and, and AD. I mean, how can you not be excited about that? So, I would say, you know, for the regular season's sake, it would bump us up to that. And just to allude a little bit more on Miles, real quick, one thing that I obviously was was really surprising to hear him go on that Walsh podcast and pretty much tell the Lakers, "Hey, come get me." Essentially, was what he did. And and it alluded to me, or it kind of brought me a reminder for me was, you know, when I think Kobe had an interview at one point where he was like, "Hey." If, if you want to be a Laker, you you got to be a special breed. You got to want to come into the Lakers and understand what the pressure is. And that to me is really kind of leading me towards the other side of, Hey, let's go get this guy because he was very public about, Hey, if I were you guys, I'd go get me. And that means he's, he understands what it is to be a part of this franchise. And any, any, any player that says that and is openly and openly saying that, not even I'm talking myself into it as we speak, for being
1: honest.
0: Belinko, you know, <laughs> go, go make the move. Let's go get this guy. And I know it's a contract year, but obviously with Russ coming off the books next year, or obviously him being part of the trade, we should have that space. I'm not going to say what you do or not because I may be wrong. But, you know, it's just I, I can't help but get excited about it, really.
1: Yeah, and that that is an interesting point about Miles and wanting to be a Laker, um, wanting to kind of being part of that environment he is he he is i've been trying to picture um how he would fit especially with with ad the way he's played this year um everything's at the rim like he is he's not shooting jumpers he's not making them so he's just stopped shooting them so everything is at the rim and I vi- I envision uh, Miles as kind of a Brooke Lopez-esque role for the Lakers um, as Brooke is for Milwaukee. Uh, this kind of – I mean, Brooke's a Defensive Player of the Year candidate still this season. Miles can be that. Um, Miles is clearly shooting the ball incredibly well. He's not going to be a 47% three-point shooter <laughs> the whole season. But he can be a good three-point shooter to spread the floor. And then that keeps the, the lane open for AD. Uh, you obviously have Miles that can play at times when AD isn't playing. They're insurance for one another. I, neither of them have been particularly healthy their whole careers. Um, so they would be insurance for one another. I have been pro trading for these guys since probably most certainly since like the preseason and as the season was starting. The more I watch the Lakers, especially of late, the more I think if you add a shooter like Buddy that is going to command the defense's attention, a big man like Miles, I think you – quickly become a, as you said, a a four or five seed, somewhere around there. And then at that point, you're going into a playoff series where you're probably going to have the two best players in the playoff series. I I was trying to look to see how outrageous that was. You're going to have, at the very least, two of the three best players in any playoff series that you're going into. The Warriors and... Maybe the Blazers and Nuggets might be the only guys that would have only teams that would have someone that I would say is clearly better than uh, one of LeBron or AD. And and if you're going into a series with LeBron and AD in the playoffs, I feel great, no matter really who it is. I, I feel very confident in that. Now, I don't know what the Lakers specifically are waiting on. They're waiting on December 15th at this point to have more trade options be available. I also, to some degree, think they might be waiting for the price to come down on Miles and Buddy. Uh, Miles being an expiring contract means the longer they wait to make a trade, the less he's going to cost. Really, no matter what, how well he's playing. Um, And nobody else seems particularly... Like seriously interested in him. There are theoretical teams. the The Hornets were one. The Hornets are bad this year. <laughs> like they're they're going to be tanking. I do not think that they have any interest in trading for Miles. The Pelicans have long been a team interested in him. I mean, I guess in theory, but is Jonas Valanciunas and a first round pick um, more enticing than two Lakers picks, considering how the franchise has looked? For the last couple seasons. Um, so I think the Lakers are kind of waiting to see if that deal comes down. Maybe they can do one first in a couple seconds or, or things like that. But I'm at the point I've been at this point, but it, it's just kind of further solidified it. The more I've watched the Lakers and the more I've watched Miles and Buddy to what they've been doing, that. I would go get those guys. I it, it doesn't make you an immediate title contender. I don't know that any move is going to exist that makes you a title contender. It makes you a much better team, and you kind of you can kind of build from there and and do whatever you need to to trade in the future and whatnot. But I, I think they need to go get Buddy and Miles. One of them clearly wants to be a Laker. Uh, get those guys in L.A the sooner, the better so that you can kind of build that chemistry and, and hopefully go on a winning run. Um, any other kind of final thoughts on this Lakers Pacers matchup and and buddy and miles and all that sort?
0: Yeah. You know, as, as you were speaking, I was kind of thinking on my own here and I was, you know, I've done a, I, I admit I haven't looked far ahead into the future and obviously all, all things are hypothetical, but you know, the allure of keeping those two picks would be then to go into this off season and uh, have those at your disposal to go make a move. Right. And now you have Russ off the books, plus those two picks, you know, next year then looks a little bit more enticing. That's what's kind of been keeping me on that side of things as well, but who's available. Right. I mean, obviously, you know, buddy and, and yeah. miles are available now, or at least we think, and that's the projection, but this off season, what, what, what makes unless, you know, Robson knows that we don't, which is, Hey, There's this team that's waiting to take these two picks, and they're going to give us X, Y, and Z, and that's going to make a difference, and next year we're going to be a title contender. Uh, That seems very far-fetched, and as you mentioned, there's really no deal out there with the exception of some ludicrous thing of the Bucs decided they want to trade Giannis because they went mad, which is not going to happen. You know, or like cool. a,
1: a Damian Lillard trade was one people thought at the beginning of the season. The Blazers are are too good. Like Bradley Beal is the name that they're right. targeting, but like you're not getting him with that package. There there isn't a deal out there that makes him a contender.
0: Exactly. So you know the the more you think about it that way, the more you again even just in this short time that we've been talking, I'm you know I'll be honest. I'm on the side of let's get this pick, let's get this deal done trade those picks, and you kind of just ride the wave. And ultimately, is there a price to pay if it doesn't work out? Absolutely, but I think it's a risk you you not only have to be willing, but you have to take. Otherwise, you have AD at this level, LeBron at the end of his career for what? Because the 2027 pick, uh, 15 overall picks is going to be the next what? So, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense.
1: I will say one of the funnier ways of framing it that I've enjoyed Harrison and Anthony doing is – calling that pick an eighth grader basically (laughs) like the Lakers are watching LeBron and AD play at this level, but it's an eighth grader that's holding them back from making this deal. Yeah. um, The free agency class this upcoming season off season is really bad too. So having that cap space going into the off season feels, I don't want to say pointless because you can always trade somebody into that cap space, but there's nobody worth signing. Um, you can take a look. I, I'm not going to run it down now, but just go Google 2023 NBA free agents. Um, it's not good. So it, it's the Lakers need to do something with this rust contract before the deadline. I, I don't see a better deal out there than, than buddy and miles. Go get those guys. Let's get this sorted. Before, or between the next time, at least I will will be back. Uh, The Lakers play four times um, tomorrow or today against the Pacers. Wednesday against Portland. Friday at Milwaukee. Sunday at Washington. What is the Lakers record through those four games?
0: I'm going to be optimistic and go two and two. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, I I think that. The LA nightlife will be on our favor against the Pacers. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I'll chalk that, chalk that one up as a win. Uh, and then, you know, we'll, sque- we'll squeeze in a win in, in the rest of those three games. But uh, I think two and two would be, you know, you come out of that feeling really good about yourself.
1: I predicted three and one um, sure. the last time, or excuse me, two and one. We had beat the Spurs last Sunday. So, two and one. I thought they'd be a little silly and beat Phoenix and lose to the Spurs in one of those games. But I mean, there is something impressive about beating the same team three times in a week. Um, (laughs) This this time I'm feeling optimistic. Forget it. Three and one, they'll beat the Pacers. They'll beat the Blazers. Those two home games lose to Milwaukee um, and then beat Washington next Sunday. Regardless of how that looks over the next week, we will be back here after that Washington game on Sunday uh, to talk about it. Hani should be back by then if he's still not running scared. <laughs> uh, depends on how Iran-USA goes on Tuesday. We might not be friends anymore after that game. We'll We'll see how that one plays out, but all jokes aside, Alex, thanks as always for coming on and being our Russell Westbrook. uh, And I mean that glowingly, not uh, if I had said that at the beginning of the season, it would have had an entirely different uh, meaning to it. But appreciate you coming on as always. We'll be back, as I said, next week, but uh, the Silver Screen and Roll Network will obviously have you guys covered throughout the week. Make sure you guys are subscribed uh, so you don't miss out on any shows. And as always, guys, have a great one and go Lakers.